Welcome to the 20-Minute Bible Study, a teaching podcast from Faith on Hill Church in Milwaukee, Oregon. My name's Adam. I'm the pastor at Faith on Hill. And while I put 20 minutes on the timer, why don't you open your Bibles to the book of 2 Samuel, chapter 23. Well, with 20 minutes on the clock, chapter 23, verse 1 says that these are the last words of David. The inspired utterances of David, son of Jesse, the utterances of the man exalted by the Most High, the man anointed by the God of Jacob, the hero of Israel's songs. This is a, a memorial, a, uh, an honor that's being given to David, likely after his death, um, as the, the scribes and the people are putting together sort of the, the, the closing of his records. And, uh, and so at the end of, of his life, these are the last Uh, official words that he gives his last official statement and so they give him this honor they're acknowledging uh, you know where he came from he's the son of Jesse meaning that he didn't come from one of the great grand important houses of Israel uh, that he was kind of from nowhere and yet God took him and used him the man exalted by the most high so they came from nowhere but look what God did the man anointed by the God of Jacob the hero of Israel's songs. So, you know, Israel spoke about David, this great warrior, this great king, and so they're just kind of giving him this final honor. And David said, the spirit of the Lord spoke through me. His word was on my tongue. And so he's looking back. And I think the New Testament writers had an awareness. We know that from uh, Peter's letter and from um, some things that Paul and John wrote. They had an awareness that they were writing scripture. It's very likely that the prophets, and David is numbered among them, that the prophets of the Old Testament had an awareness, at least somewhat as well. And so David's looking back on his life and says, you know, the Lord was speaking through me and I wrote things and I, 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 I was, you know, God gave me things I had to say. The God of Israel spoke. The rock of Israel said to me, when one rules over people in righteousness, he rules in the fear of God. So David is passing along these final things that God said to him. Somebody once wrote, and I read this years ago, that state funerals are as much as about the next administration as they are about the person who has died. Meaning, you know, if a king or a a leader, somebody, a great leader, maybe not of a country or a nation, but like of an organization, a university or a, uh, a, you know, like a, a large, you know, a massive business, somebody, somebody dies or moves on and they have the kind of the goodbye And then the next person comes in, uh, these kind of state funerals are also about the next generation. And so David is speaking to his sons who will take over for him. And he says, hey, I was uh, ruling in righteousness because I lived in the fear of God. Not always, but in general terms, he lived in the fear of God. He is like the light of the morning at sunrise on a cloudless morning, like the brightness after the rain that brings grass from the earth. So, So he's saying, hey, these things that you might accomplish, the grass growing from the earth, the brightness, all these things that you might attribute to yourself came from the rain. It came from the work that God did. If my house were not right with God, surely he would have made me an everlasting, he would not have made me an everlasting covenant. Speaking of the covenant that God made with David, that one of his descendants would always rule on the throne of Israel and that from his descendants would come the Messiah. Um, And then he says, arranged and secured in every part, surely he would not bring to fruition my salvation and grant me my every desire. But evil men are all to be cast aside like thorns, 
which are not gathered with the hand. Whoever touches thorns uses a tool of iron or a shaft of a spear, and they are burned up where they lie. So he's speaking to his children and the people who will take over, and he is saying, look, the reason we had any success that we had was because of what God did. And as we stood in the ways of the Lord, things were good. But cast away evil, evil advisors, evil friends, and you might say, well, that seems harsh. You know, what if I have a friend? They're not a great guy, but they're a friend. Do you want me just to betray them? Look, some people you should walk away from. Some people you need to cut off the relationship. That they, they only bring us down. Uh, they aren't healthy. It's not safe. Some people the relationship needs to be cut off. For others, we're not speaking of cutting, you know, like cutting off, a, you know, oh, my my. My friend over there is doing this, and God says that's wrong, but you know I still want to be his friend. That's not what David's speaking of, but he is speaking to his, his uh, children and those who would take over for him. Like, don't surround yourself. There's, you can surround yourself with the good and the bad. And, uh, you know, I, I mean, most people are, the largest single demographic in our church is educators. And, you know, if you, sometimes you get a kid who's like, you know, they, they, oh, I didn't do it. I was just there. And it's like, hey, yes, but you always seem to be next to the kid doing something bad. Don't be there. Walk away. Choose other friends. Be in different places. Um, you know, sometimes it's like, why, why does somebody get in trouble? Because they're just not where they should be. Verse 8, we get to some official business here as, as the kingship of David is winding down. These are the names of David's mighty warriors. Uh, Josheb Bahashabeth, the Tekamanite, was the chief of the three. He raised his spear against 800 men whom he killed in one encounter. Now, a couple things here. First of all, am I pronouncing these names right? Who knows? I just did, I, What I would tell people is if you're reading something as a, as a Bible name and it's hard, sometimes you just got to look at it. You know, it's like you're just reading because, you know, David's an easy name. These are the names of David Mighty Warriors. That's not hard. But then you come to Josheb Bashabeth and you go, oh, wait, what? And you got to just slow down, look at it for a minute. And then sometimes you just plow through it with confidence. The Takamanite, is that how you say it? I'm not 100% sure, but I'm just going to say it with confidence. And I think that's a good lesson uh, for people who are just, you know, worried about reading the Bible out loud, reading the Bible to children or grandchildren. He was the chief of the three, and it says the, he raised a spear against 800 men whom he killed in one encounter. Now, somebody asked me a while back, when, when the Bible says these kind of things, is it exaggerating? You know, is it embellishing? Not necessarily. Look, I know Mel Gibson is a racist and has all kinds of issues, but I will say one of the most interesting things I ever heard was his director's commentary on Braveheart. Um, they used to do these things. Nobody cares anymore. There's no physical media, but you know, Blu-rays and DVDs, they used to have the director's commentary and you could listen to the director um, kind of give insights into things. And a lot of times they're terrible. Like the director doesn't want to be there. Whoever's like forced to do it. They're just like, yeah, whatever. I get this thing done. Mel Gibson's commentary on Braveheart was incredibly insightful into his thinking on, on filmmaking and storytelling. But one of the, the interesting things that I remember, in fact, I watched it more than once because I found it so interesting but he was talking about a particular battle in the movie and, uh, and there's a scene where William Wallace gets a, a really serious injury. And he said, in real life, it was far worse, but we, we looked at it and we decided that no one in a modern audience would believe that a human being could endure that kind of injury, continue to fight, and then survive. Basically, people were made of stern stuff, hardy stuff. And so this idea that one guy killed 800 men 
Um, it might be a little bit of hyper, hyper, uh, you know, hyperbolic hyperbole. Um, it might be that, you know, he really like defeated 737, but they just rounded up. I, I don't think that matters. I think we have uh, this idea of what people can and can't do based on our own experience. And, uh, and it's very possible that he had that kind of success in battle. Uh, next to him was Eleazar, son of uh, Dodai, the Ahothite. As one of the three mighty warriors, he was with David when they taunted the Philistines and gathered at Pas Damim for battle. Then the Israelites retreated, but Eleazar stood his ground and struck down the Philistines till his hand grew tired and froze to the sword, meaning basically he was holding the sword so firm that it was like his, his muscles locked up. And later on after the battle, they had to like pry his, I'm sure it was incredibly painful, pry his hand open because his muscles had all seized around the grip of the sword. Um, and uh, so he's numbered among the three. Next to him was Shammah, son of Age, the Herite. The Herite. And when the Philistines banded together at a place where there was a field full of lentils, Israel's troops fled for them. But Shammah took his stand in the middle of the field and he defended it and struck the Philistines down and the Lord brought him a great victory. During the harvest time, three of the 30 chief warriors came down to David at the cave of Adullam while a band of Philistines were encamped in the valley of Rapam. At that time, David was in the stronghold and the Philistine garrison was at Bethlehem and David longed for water. And he said, oh, that somebody would get me a drink of water from the well near the, near the gate of Bethlehem. So these three mighty warriors broke through the Philistine lines and drew water from the well near the gate of Bethlehem and carried it back to David. But he refused to drink it and instead he poured it out before the Lord and he said, far be it from me, Lord, to do this. And he said, it is not the blood, is it not the blood of men who went to risk their lives? And David would not drink it. Such were the exploits of the, these three mighty men. So these were uh, stories that were well known within Israel. And uh, oral tradition is one that is looked down on by Western academia. And um, I'm not an academic. I'm not, uh, you know, somebody who's, who's uh, highly accredited or lettered or what have you. Um, but I will say that I, I know enough and I've, I've got enough uh, study to, to know that um, even among academia, there's starting to be some pushback towards the um, prejudice, bigotry towards cultures with oral traditions as if they are somehow lesser in their thinking, philosophy, or, or, or work. And Israel was a nation, a people that had a huge oral tradition, but they also had a written tradition. And so they took both and they are codifying these stories here at the end of the account of David's reign. Abishai, the brother of Joab, son of Zerah, was the chief of the three, and he raised his spear against 300 men whom he killed, and he became famous as, as the three. Oh, he became as famous as the three. So Abishai was like their chief, and then there were these three guys, and then there were these 30 warriors who were kind of like David's inner circle. Uh, and he became their commander, even though he was not included among them. So there was Abishai and the warriors three. Uh, Benaiah, son of Jehoiada, a valiant fighter from Kabizel performed great exploits. He struck down Moab's two mightiest warriors. He also went down to the pit on a snowy day and killed a lion. Uh, he struck down a huge Egyptian. Although the Egyptians had a spear in his hand, uh, Benaiah went against him with a club, and he snatched the spear from the Egyptian's hand and killed him with his own spear. Such were the exploits of Benaiah, son of Jehoiada, and he too was famous as the three mighty warriors. And he was held in great honor greater honor than any of the 30, but he was not included among the three. 
and David put him in charge of his bodyguard. So there's this kind of like idea of these are some of the notable people of the time. And what made you notable, notable back then, being a, a great warrior, being a great hunter? Among the 30 were Hashel, the brother of Joab, Elanan, the son of Dodo from Bethlehem, Shammah, the Herodite, Elkiah, the Herodite, Helez, the Paltite, Ira, son of Ikesh from Tekoa, Abazer from Anahoth, Shabika, the Hushite, Zalman, the Ahoite, Maharai, the Nepothite, Heled, the son of Bana from the Nepothites, Ethai, son of Ribai from Gibeah in Benjamin, Benaiah, the Pironthite, Hedai from the ravines of Gash, Albialban from Arathite, Azvamath, the Burmite, Elihab, the Shalmanite, the sons of Jeshen, Jonathan's shun, son of Shama, the Harite. So some of these, these men were warriors and, and such skilled warriors that they lived long enough to have their sons join the ranks. Ahayam, the son of Shahar, the Harathite, uh, Elphethet, son of Ashbai, the Makathite, Elam, the son of Ahithophel, the Gileanite, Heroz, the son of Heroz, the Carmelite, and Parai, the Arbite, Ingal, son of Nathan from Zobah, the son of Hagri, Zelek, the Ammonite, Nahiri, the Birtharite, the armor bearer of Joab, the son of Zireh, Ira, the Ithrite, Garib, the Ithrite, and Uriah, the Hittite. There were 37 in all. Um, so there were the 30, but then, you know, people got replaced. My, my guess is since there were 37 among the 30, that means that some died and were replaced. We see sons uh, possibly replacing fathers. Um, here's the thing. This is a bigger question in terms of Bible reading. Uh, you read through parts of the Bible, especially the Old Testament, although, you know, Matthew in the New Testament starts with these long lists of names and genealogies that we don't see a great importance to. We don't know who these guys were. What's, what's the big deal? Should I read them? Should I not? Here is my take. If I am just reading for my own personal reading, um, I'm 50-50. Sometimes I will read the list. Sometimes I won't. Generally speaking, I, I kind of if I've never read it before, and I think at this point I've always, I've read all of it, but if, if, if I was in a place where I'd never read it before, I would read it. If I was in a place where, you know what, I know I haven't read this part of the Bible in, in a while, maybe I'll give it a closer look. And then sometimes it's like, you know what, I read Matthew's genealogy last year at Christmas, and I'm reading through this, I might not, uh, I might skim through that. And I don't think that's wrong. Adam, are you saying that there's parts of the Bible we should skip? No, I'm saying that, you know what, let's acknowledge that this is a list of names. It's an interesting challenge for me to try to say them right, but what good does it get to like try to read through these really hard names and you don't get anything from it? That being said, and this is the reason I chose to read it, was there were some things I would note. The, the biggest, the most notable name on here is Uriah the Hittite. Uriah's the Hittite was the first husband of Bathsheba. Uriah the Hittite was the man that David had murdered. David chose to include him in his, in his official records as a man of note and worth and valor and honor. This is one of the ways in which David is repenting for what he did. I, I was speaking to somebody recently and they were, you know, talking about, um, you know, at, at my kid's school, they do a land acknowledgement um, before like, 
assemblies and big events. And it's just acknowledging, hey, we're on land that we took from someone else. And, and somebody was like, what is that good does that do? And I said, well, it's part of something. And, you know, David writing Uriah the Hittite's name down here doesn't bring him back. It doesn't change what David did. But it's part of something. It's part of David acknowledging something. Uh, you know, I don't think we need to go around and recount every terrible thing we've ever done or walking around in some weird guilt or shame. But there does need to be some sort of acknowledgement, some sort of like, hey, just so you know, um, you know, this is part of, of, the, of where we've been and what we've been through. Because otherwise we cover stuff up and we hide things and then we pretend like things never happened. David's putting it out there. It's not an accident that Uriah is the last of the ones listed. He, he's not... Uh, the younger, like we know that some of these ones, like Jonathan, son of Shammah, were, were later additions. Uriah the Hittite is given that final billing. You know, sometimes in movie credits, right, they'll be a big star, but they're not like the main character. And so their agent works it out in the deal. The main character, they get their name first. And then our, our guy or gal, even though they're a huge star, a big name, we're going to put them at the very end. You know, they're the final name scene. That gives them a place of prominence. Um, and that's the idea here is that he's being given a place of prominence and respect in the list shown and noted. The other thing I would note is that Zelek, the Ammonite, Uriah, the Hittite, most of these, now, if, you're, if this is like your first time studying the book of 2 Samuel, you may not know this. Most of these places are towns or regions of Israel. Ira, son of Ikesh from Tekoa. That's a region, a town, an area. Uh, you know, Ittai, the son of Ribai from Gibeah in Benjamin. That's a region in Israel. Most of these stand out as places, cities, villages, regions, uh, For if you've read the whole Old Testament, especially several times. But some of them, the Ammonites and the Hittites, were not of the people of Israel. Why is it that these people from you know, let's call them pagan or heathen peoples, are listed among the notables of the nation of Israel. First, there was always a way for somebody to become part of the Jewish people. There always has been. And so some of the things people read about in the Old Testament about how people are treated if they are, uh, you know, marry a non-Jewish person and then there's like, you know, got to get rid of them and they see, oh, that's so horrible. But what you don't understand is that person has refused to renounce their idols, to renounce their pagan, their pagan beliefs and to enter in and become part of the people. Uriah the Hittite and Zelak the Ammonite had apparently done that. They had joined in. They had come in. They weren't singled out as being men who shouldn't be there. They had joined. And they, they were, uh, you know, essentially immigrants to Israel. But they hadn't just moved in. They had, they had you know, done all of this, the things to become part of the people of God. They would have been allowed in the temple. All of those things. I think that's something interesting to note. And there's a lot of applicational things about welcoming people in from the outside. Church should be inviting to people who didn't grow up in the church. And, and church people who've been around a long time need to think about that. So those are things that I find interesting to note um, as we see kind of the last of, of these things that David ascribes and comes to. And now we're, we're at a place here where it would be very hard for me to read uh, chapter 24 um, in the next 30 seconds. So what I'm going to do is I am just going to hit play on the outro music and say, I want to say thank you for joining us for another episode of the 20 minute Bible study. 
New episodes are released on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. You just have to search Faith on Hill. They're also available on our website and our video versions are available on our Facebook page and YouTube channel. You can join us at Faith on Hill Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m., both online and in person. Online is found in all the same places and platforms and in person we're at our building on Hill Road with small groups meeting throughout the week. My name's Adam. I want to thank you for joining us for another episode of the 20-Minute Bible Study. 